Before we get into the word, I, I feel the need to address uh, something, and it's something that we've talked about here as a staff multiple times in this past week, and that is the, um, really the events of the last two weeks here in our country. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share just briefly, because this is not a sermon this morning, but I do want to touch on it. And when you're watching the news, and we saw what happened in the Capitol a couple weeks ago, and everything else that's going on, I want to I break it down to this. I want to keep it real simple for everybody here. Because there's all people, sorts of people saying all sorts of different things, right? This is my thought on it. Same enemy, different day. Okay? That's what this is. It is the same enemy on a different day. All right? We, we are up against the same enemy who, by the way, has already been defeated. Okay? That's what all of this boils down to. And this ain't the first time something like this has happened. We might think it is. It's just a different context. Let's look back in the Old Testament, right? And what do we see? The Israelites being chased by the Egyptian army through the Red Sea, right? We see uh, the Israelites facing the Philistines and always going to battle. We see the Israelites in Persia where there's genocide being attempted over all of the Israelites. I mean, think about that. There was literally a day on the calendar in the story of Esther where Persia was going to kill all of the Jews. Okay? And then you fast forward into the New Testament. We have this guy named Jesus who was a little attacked, <laughs> killed on the cross. And then, and then the disciples, and then Paul, and everybody else there, and then as you continue on through history up until present day, right now where we stand. Same enemy, different day. And you know what I love about all those stories that I mentioned? In all of those stories, God is in it. And he's in this. I don't know how. I'm not God and I don't pretend to be. But he is in this. One thing I know for sure from this past year, it's woken up the church. And I don't mean like we're woke, okay? I, okay? We are awake to what God is doing, and he is bringing us back to him and what church is like. And we can see, let's think about this for a second. If the Egyptians don't chase the Israelites, then the Red Sea is never parted. And the Egyptian army isn't, isn't drowned in it. If the Persians don't put that day on the calendar to wipe out the Jews then the Jews don't ever overtake the Persians, all right? So sometimes God's got to get us out of our com comfortable living room, off of our couch, and wake us up so that he can do something that is radical, all right? And that is going to affect the course of history. And I believe that's happening, all right? So let's not cower in fear over this, all right, church? Let's understand that God is in this and that he is still on the throne. All right, and he reigns, and we can look to the end of this book and know that Jesus is coming back on that white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth, going to do all sorts of gnarly things. All right? Same enemy, different day. That's what this boils down to. And so we pray. All right? But we also pray expectantly, not out of fear. Let's be the people that stand strong in all this. Because if the church is worried and afraid and doing opposite of what Jesus says, what is the world going to do? The world needs us to stand up right now. So that's what we're going to do. And just like we sang this morning, we are going to make our praises louder than ever before. That's how we're going to get through this. Okay, that's it. <sighs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm going to say this too. 
If you're struggling with fear in all of this, because you're, when you turn on the news and you, all this fear wells up, turn off the news. If you're getting on social media and either you're fearful over what you read or you get really mad and start wanting to say stuff to people that is not Christ-like, get off social media. Okay, I, I, this was not even really, I guess it was news related, but back in December, I, I got rid of Instagram and Facebook off my phone. I'm telling you, it's the best decision I ever made. It wasn't a New Year's resolution, it was just time. And you know what, people are like, well, I mean, what, ha- what if something happens? You'll know, you'll, you'll hear, all right, you'll hear, I promise you, you'll hear. So if that's you, if you're just like, I'm just struggling when I turn on the news, well, pfft. Turn it off, all right? Simple as that. Okay, now I'm done. All right, thank you, Jesus. All right, so we've started a new series, uh, Building a Home. That's what we're going to be discussing. We started last week. We're going to talk about it today in the next two weeks, where God is building a home here at Beaches Chapel. And we said last week, it is a home where he, he, is, he sits and he is here, where he just loves to be. You know why? Because this is his home. We're building his home, a place where all are welcome. Beaches Chapel is a home where all are welcome to begin and grow in a relationship with God. All are welcome to begin and grow. But this is a home, y'all. This is a home, and that's what he's building. Last week, we talked about how everything that we do is going to, be, is going to stand on the word of God. It's not going to be something that I think of or anyone else, uh, any other of our pastors or elders. We base everything that we do, and we examine everything we do through the word of God because that is what is forever. That is God's word. That is who Jesus is. All right, you want to see Jesus? Open this book, because he is the word, right? So that's what we talked about last week. If you missed it, you can, you can check it out on our website. This week, we're going to be talking about how we as a church are congregational and relational. And those two things are married. I think it was like a month ago. I was just kind of, you know, spewing up here some stuff. And I, I actually misspoke. I said, we are not congregational. We are relational. I was all passionate. We're both. We're both congregational and relational, and it's important that we are both of those things. And we're going to discuss this morning what that means, okay? Um, I want to read out of a Bob Gass devotion that I read this week. It was so good, so uh, pertinent to what we're talking about today, because our, con- our, our congregational meeting is on Sundays. That's what we're going to talk about first. Last week, we talked about the Word, and that's what we're doing now. We're getting in the Word, we're preaching the Word, and we're standing on it. Well, the other aspect, if you haven't noticed, if this is your first time or whatever, the other aspect is what we just did, and that's worship, all right? So that that is going to be our focus congregationally this morning is worship, okay? So here's what Bob Gass has to say. He says, whether you go to a big church or a small one, Jesus, the head of the church, let's remember that, said... Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That means Jesus. Listen, y'all. That means Jesus, the King of kings, will be present. All right, that is a fact that we cannot overstate. We cannot say that and think about that enough, that this morning, as we sing worthy of it all, as we sing I exalt thee, as we sing this is amazing grace, and we lift our hands, Jesus is here. That is mind-boggling. Jesus is in our midst. When we, and that's why we praise him. That's why we exalt him, because we want Jesus in our midst. So he's in our midst, and that is why we worship. And to keep reading, you must recognize his presence, worship him, and make him your central focus. Otherwise, you might as well join a social club or just stay home. 
We ain't interested in the Beaches Chapel Social Club here. All right, that's not why we get out of bed on Sunday mornings, put on our fancy-ish outfit, all right, and come to church. Sadly, this is like, oh, I'm going to wear my nice sweatshirt today. This is it, all right. We're not interested in a social club. We're not, we're not performing up here. This is not the Hillsong cover band, okay? We worship here. We worship here. The psalmist gives us this protocol for church. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Think about that for a second. This is a home. This is God's house. And so we enter his house. We come into this home of ours with thanksgiving and with praise. And that's why we start with worship, because we are, before anything else, we're going to praise God. Because that's what the Bible tells us to do. So if we consider this God's house, then we're going we're to enter his house like the word of God tells us, with thanksgiving and with praise. It says, be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Thank you, Jesus. What you need to know about Beaches Chapel, if, if you're not familiar with it, this is, goes all the way back to, I don't know, 45, 46 years ago when this place was founded, is that the staple of Beaches Chapel is worship. It is what we are known for. It is what we are committed to. And I'm not just saying that because I used to be the worship pastor, okay? I'm saying that because the people before me made that decision and the people before them made that decision. And so we are carrying on with the anointing that God has put on this place for worship. And so you also need to know that we will never, ever, we'll never, you know, sacrifice worship for a schedule, Okay, I don't know if that makes sense, but if we have things on the docket that we have to do, we're never going to say, all right, well, we'll just cut back a little bit of worship. We're not going to do that. That's not what we do here. We believe in worship. We believe in taking our time with it as well. I told Valerie Chong, who's our worship leader up here, um, when she took over, I said, you're going to love leading worship for this church. You know why? Because they don't care about the band. <laughs> I mean, I know y'all appreciate us, but what I mean is your focus isn't here, your focus is there. And I love that about this church. It makes worship so much fun. It also takes the burden off the worship leader and the band not to have to be perfect. And I, it's, y'all don't, what, what I mean by y'all don't care about what goes on I'm here, we might mess up or do something wrong, you don't even notice you know, it's like, really? The, the, the sound was off? I, I couldn't, I had no idea. Because your focus as a church, and listen, I'm complimenting you. I'm, I'm thanking you. Because your focus is heavenward, not towards the stage. There was, there was a Sunday once when I, when I was still uh, the worship pastor, where our drummer, wasn't, wasn't Robbie who played this morning, uh, but canceled the last moment, moment and then things happen. And um, couldn't make it. And so I went into crisis mode trying to figure out what are we going to do when I'm a drummer, blah, blah, blah. And so I got I, on, on my phone, texted everybody, said, hey, we're going to do an acoustic set this morning. And we just flipped the script really quick. We came together, just acoustic guitars, a little, you know, whatever. And we, we sang, you know, worshiped. And at the end of the service, when it was over, I was talking to some people. I was like, hey, you know, what did y'all think of the acoustic set? They're like, acoustic set? It's like, you didn't notice there was no drummer? No drummer? It's like, are you serious? You didn't notice? The musician in me was like, how did you, dare you not notice there's a drummer? You, but the worship pastor in me was like, you don't notice there's a drummer. I love our church. They don't care. 
But we don't. And I, th- I believe that's where the power comes from. That's why there's such anointing here. And I want to say this too while I'm on it. You know, our, our worship team, we have several people that play different weeks. And they're all volunteers, just like everyone else that serves here. But for, for people to be on stage and give their gifting is a tricky thing. To be excellent and humble in front of people on a stage is a tricky, tricky thing. And I, want to, I just want to say this about our worship team. There is not a single member of this worship team that has an ounce of ego when they're up here. They are serving for the right reasons. And that is a, that is a hard thing to find. A group of musicians and vocalists that can be on stage that, that do not care. If anything, it's the opposite. We have to say, can, can you sing a little louder? Can you play a little louder? It's, it's the opposite. I'm so grateful that we have a team that their sole purpose is to lift up the name of Jesus every time that they get on stage. Thank you, Lord. Mm. So let's look at a couple verses this morning about what it means congregationally to worship. You could, you could give all sorts of teachings and, and, and sermons and look at all sorts of parts of the Bible about worship, but I want to look at one particular about how we do it, how we go about it on Sunday mornings, and it's out of Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, everyone say confidence, To enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. Let's just pause there for a second, okay? I want to focus on this word confidence this morning. God has given us confidence, check this out, to enter the most holy place. Do you know that's where we go when we enter into worship? That's why when we're worshiping and, and, and our hands are lifted, the tears start coming down your face. And you have this, this moment. Why? Because we have now gone into the most holy place. Do you understand how good our God is for, to allow us into that? And we can do so with confidence. And Adam Clark says this about this verse. says, the boldness or confidence is a complete contrast to the way the high priest entered the holy place under the old covenant. He went with fear and trembling because if he had neglected the smallest item prescribed by the law, he could expect nothing but death. So in the Old Testament, when there was no way into the most holy place, there was fear and trembling. You imagine the person that drew the short straw. They go, great, I get to go into the most holy place. Hope I did everything right so I don't die. But, you know, when you read this, what we have to understand is this is all based on the holiness and the righteousness of God. And I liken it to this. If, you, if, if I get too close to the sun because of what the sun is, I'm going to burn up. It's not because the sun hates me or thinks bad about me. It's because that's the sun. And if, and if it would allow me in close to it, then it would cease to be the sun. And it's the same way with God. God is holy, and he is righteous. And so because we carry sin in us, we can't get too close to him without burning up. And if he allowed that, then he would cease to be God. And so there was a problem with that. God didn't like that. And so what we read in verse 19 of Hebrews 10 is that by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain. That is his, meaning Jesus' body. So this curtain, this very real curtain, that was in the church, separated the most holy place from everybody else. And God looked at that and he said, no, that's not good enough. 
So he sent Jesus to have his body torn to pieces so that the veil could be torn as well. And so that we as a body could come into the most holy place with confidence, not fear and trembling, not worry. Translate that to today, not thinking that because of the things that I did yesterday, I can't approach the throne of God today. Because I, I did a sin yesterday, I can't come into that most holy place today. God says, no, the curtain is torn. You can come to me with confidence. Check this out. He keeps going when he says this. Genuine believers can come even to the throne of God, right to his feet, with confidence as they carry into the divine presence the infinitely meritorious blood of the great atonement and being justified through that blood. They have the right to all the blessings of the eternal kingdom. That's it right there. It's Jesus' blood that gives us the confidence, and that confidence is established. It's there. And us not walking in that confidence of Jesus' sacrifice is doing a disservice to Jesus' sacrifice. It's saying it's not enough, that what you did isn't enough. Y'all, listen, it's enough. I don't care whatever you did yesterday. I don't care what you did the day before. Jesus' blood that was shed for you is enough for you to approach the Lord. Don't let the enemy ever tell you otherwise. Have that confidence in you. That's, the, that's what was accomplished. It gave us confidence. And so when we come together as a church body and we all have that mindset that I'm gonna come this morning with confidence, that I'm entering the most holy place and it doesn't matter what I did yesterday, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna repent and I know that the Lord is gonna be quick to forgive me, woo-wee, watch out, watch the roof blow off this place. But if we just sit there and timid and we're like Old Testament priests and we're fearful and we're trembling, no, we need to be confident. We need to be confident. Church, will you be confident? Come on, let's do this. You ever watch those, uh, you know, YouTube videos? See all the time of, of the kids who are being surprised by their mom or dad who's coming home from military assignment, you know, and, and they, they pop out of a box or whatever. It's all sorts of different uh, things. And the kid sees their mom or dad for the first time and they didn't know that they were going to be there. And what is their reaction? They sprint to them. They run as fast as they can and they jump right into the arms of their parent. They hug them and they don't let go. That is approaching your, with confidence. That is what we should look like. They don't say, well, you know, I, I'd love to come give you a hug. I didn't clean my room yesterday. While you were gone, I, I got a C in math. Ugh. They don't think about that. They don't care about that. All they see is their father or their mother right there and they run to them because there's nothing better than the embrace of their parent. How much more so when we're embraced by our heavenly father? And so we're in the midst of him. Let's forget about the bad grades we got and just sprint 100 miles an hour, jumping into his arms and know that he's going to catch us and he's going to embrace us and forget about us letting go of him. He ain't going to let go of us. That's how we approach him. Oh, let's keep reading verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God 
with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. There's the confidence. That's what we do here, y'all. That is the point of it all, is to draw near to God. And like Valerie spoke this morning, man, when we do it together, it's just something special about that. I'd love to sit here and try and explain it to you, but I can't. I can't do it. There's, a, there's that kind of phrase that worship can be, it's, it's caught. It's not taught. And that's the truth. I, I could sit here and, and teach on worship till the cows come home. But until you're in it, that's when you get a picture of it. And when we're in it together, how much more, right? How much more? So that's what we do. Let us draw near to God because we can do so with confidence. And here's what he does. He cleanses us from a guilty conscience. And our bodies are washed with pure water. So yes, we may have messed up yesterday. We may have failed the test. But we have the confidence to approach him knowing that he's going to cleanse us with his blood. It's no wonder that when we worship, when we leave here, we feel different. Why? Because we're clean. Because he's done a work in us. And that is the beauty and just the wonder of our God. That we come in and our heart is to lift him up. And as we do, he does a work in us. Praise God for that. He involves us in it. He doesn't just sit there on his throne with his arms crossed going, that's right, you worship me. Right? He says, thank you, now let me cleanse you. That's why I tore the veil. So that I can, so that I can cleanse you. And you're not going to walk around in that guilt and that shame and that condemnation. I'm going to cleanse you. That's what he does. That's his business. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. In other words, don't let the devil try and tell you otherwise. Hold unswervingly to the hope that we have, that confidence that we have. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's spur one another on. Let's spur one another on, encouraging one another. You know, the Bible says to not grow weary in doing good. And when we are weary, when we're discouraged, our tendency is to isolate ourselves. What the Bible says is do the opposite. Do the opposite of that. Don't stay home. Come together so we can encourage one another. So before church and after church and just hearing the praises of the people around us, that does something in us. It's when we stay home that, that discouragement continues to weigh on us. I, I say this a lot. The hardest part about going to church is going to church a lot of times. It's getting out of bed, getting dressed, making that decision that I'm going to go. Once you're here, it's like, whew, I made it. And you get to rejoice. The hard part is getting here. Don't let that stop you. Determine the day before. Determine every Sunday. Make that commitment. We're going to go. Well, I had a hard week. I'm really tired. Come. Make that decision to come. You know, and Elijah, the prophet... It's when he was alone that he was literally asking God to take his life. When he was alone. It's no wonder that Jesus, when he went and prayed, asked Peter, James, and John to come with him. He wanted that with him. He wanted those guys with him to spur him along. If Jesus needs people, how much more so us? 
And so that's what we're called to do. And, you know, the, the verbiage in Hebrews 10 is this. Us, we, our, all of us together, not individually. And he, here's something that we need to understand, y'all. The Bible everywhere is that verbiage. Us, we, our, all of us. All have fallen sin. All have fallen short of the glory of God. For God so loved the world, all of us, whoever believes, right? In here as well. It's all about that. You know what the world says? You, they, them. The world is, is, is isolating people, in categorizing people, in labeling people. That you are this way, you are this way, you are that way. And that causes division. Jesus wants congregation. And congregation says it doesn't matter about that. We are all here together. Not about your background. Remember, irrespective of how you got here, we're all together in this, worshiping the same God. That's congregation. That's coming together. And we do that in worship. And the heavens open up, and the things that we experience, we can't say. And as powerful as today is in worship, you know what? We have next Sunday to look forward to. And the Sunday after that. And after that. And we don't say, oh, if it's only as good as last week. No. We say, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And expect God to do a new thing every single time that we gather. It's about going up. It's vertical. It's not staying like this. Amen. So that's the congregational side of things that we're trying to accomplish here at Beaches Chapel. The other thing that we are accomplishing is we are a relational church. And as much as we love Sunday mornings, and listen, we do. I love Sunday mornings. I can't wait. I can't, I'm standing here right now. I can't wait for next Sunday. I can't. I'm serious. But it's not enough. It's, it's hard. It can be hard sometimes to come in and really get to know people on a Sunday morning. Because, you know, you're coming in, you got your kids, you're trying to get them checked in or whatever. You're coming, getting your coffee from Grounds of Grace. Come on, thank you for them coming this morning. <clears throat> Serving it up delicious. There's all this stuff going on and it's just harder. We don't give it the time necessary. So that's why we do impact groups, which is our version of home groups or small groups, whatever you want to call it. We call it impact groups. And I want, I want to say this, I want to make this very clear about impact groups. We don't do impact groups because we're following some other church's template, all right, of a recipe for success. That is not the purpose of impact groups. The purpose of impact groups is to be relational, to get to know the people that sit across the aisle from you or in front of you or maybe catty corner to you or wherever. So that when you come on Sundays, you can start having new conversations and we really can spur one another on. And now you're not worshiping alongside this person that you kind of know who they are. You might remember their name, but you are now worshiping alongside family. People that you are praying for and walking with. And boy, when that starts happening, the worship elevates. The Sunday mornings elevate. Because we're not a room full of strangers. We're an actual body. We're an actual body. And it's, it's where impact, impact groups are where you're set free. Where you come with a struggle that maybe the devil's been telling you is a struggle all on your own. And you're the only one that's been dealing with this. And you're the only person that life is hard. And then as the conversations start, you realize, wait a second, other people struggle too. Other people struggle too. And then we pray for one another. 
I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let's look in Acts chapter 2. This is, this is the model of impact groups. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That word devoted, you know what devoted means? It means loyal or loving. So let's, re, let's reread this scripture under that understanding. They were loyal to the apostles' teaching. They were loyal to fellowship. They were loyal to the breaking of bread. And they were loyal to prayer. They loved the apostles' teaching. They loved fellowship. They loved to break bread together. And they loved to pray for one another. That is what we want in our impact groups. To be not just begrudgingly, but we love getting together. We love getting in the word and talking together. We love praying for one another. And yes, we love breaking bread together. Listen, eating together as a body is scriptural. And powerful things happen when you eat together. So that is something that we see out of the Bible that is so important. But all of this, they're loyal to it. They were committed to it. And here's the thing. Listen, I'm just going to dispel this right off the bat. You can sit here and say, you know, it's, it's one thing to come on Sundays, but during the week, I'm really busy. And it's hard. Listen, we're all busy. Hey, special? All right? We're all busy. We all have excuses. But they were loyal to it. They were committed to it. And believe it or not, we treat fellowship like it's something that if we feel like doing, then it's like a bonus to our, our walk with the Lord. It's not. Fellowship is vital to our walk with the Lord. And so we, it's, we need to treat it not as a feeling, like when I have free time, but as a discipline. Like you put it on the calendar. It's something that you are committed to. Because that is where the rubber meets the road. That's when we get out of those dark places and get around one another and have the body, this family that we call ourselves, start to pray for one another. Let's keep reading. Verse 43. Everyone, check this out, was filled with awe. This is the result, by the way, of being devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So what happens when they did that? This. They were filled with awe. At the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's pretty interesting. They had everything in common. Huh. So that means they all like the same sports team, football team, right? Everyone had the same favorite color, same background. They all were in the, had the same job, right? No. So what does it mean then that they all had everything in common? It means this. It means this. That they understood that they couldn't do it and they were in desperate need of Jesus. And here's what's so amazing. When we all come to that understanding where we're just a crew of people that love Jesus and are desperate for him, we have everything in common. And all the differences are thrown to the side. That's how we become we, our, all of us instead of they, them, you. As we look and say, it's all about Jesus. And so we have that in common. And all those other differences, they don't become different. They're just different versions of the same story. And so as they were meeting together, as they were loyal to, to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and a prayer, they're like, you know what? We're all the same. We're all in the same boat. Not feeling isolated. Not feeling like they're the only one attacked by the enemy. Like the world is after them. That they're, they're this victim and that's it. We're all the same, and we all have everything in common. Thank you, Jesus, for that. 
So every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Here it is. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's more than just Sunday mornings, y'all. I love Sunday mornings. I love being a congregation. But if we want to see these seats filled, it's not about tweaking the lights, right? Or anything like that. It's about being a relational church that prays for one another, that is devoted and loyal and loving to the word of God, to fellowship, and to prayer. That is how the Lord will add to our numbers. That is why we have impact groups. So we can be the family that we claim to be. And so after church is over this morning, we are going to give you the opportunity. We're, we're, we're talking about it this morning. We're going to do it this morning. The first week of February, starting February 1st, that's a Monday, we're launching our new season of impact groups. It's going to be for eight weeks. And I want to do more than encourage you. I want to implore you. I want to, I want to, I wish, I want to make you. I don't know if I could do that. But go to the back. We have all sorts of different groups. We have one, some that meet on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think, are, are a lot of them. And go find one and sign up if you've not been a part of one. And we could give testimony after testimony of the importance of them. But what it comes down to, if we're going to be a family, we've got to act like one. We've got to act like one. We've got to pray for one another. And what I love about this, this verse, it says that they came together with sincere hearts. They weren't trying to put on a show. Listen, it's hard to grow in the Lord when we're not vulnerable with the people around us who are praying for us. So when we come together, we're going to be committed to those things. We're going to be loyal to those things. To sitting in the word and praying for one another with sincere hearts, praising God. And so you can look back there today. If you want to pray about it, that's fine. We're going to be signing up next week too. But join. Because that's the heart of Beaches Chapel is yes to be congregational, but we want to be relational as well. And that happens. There's so many powerful things that happen. What I want to do now is have the band come. And um, we're going to close this morning with where we started in the word. And that's in worship. And I just want to ask everybody, as we stand back up, don't leave. All right? Don't leave. Stay. We're going to give the Lord some space. And we're going to enter back into worship. And maybe you came in this morning and you didn't approach the Lord in confidence. Maybe there was a little sense of fear and trembling because of the past events, or maybe you were just tired or whatever. Well, here's round two, okay? Here's our second chance. And listen, it was electric this morning worship, but I think we can do better. I think we can worship harder this morning and really exalt the name of Jesus in our hearts and with our words. So let's stand up this morning. And I want to say this as well. You know, there, there was something that happened uh, last week when I got done uh, preaching. I got off the stage and Jesse, my wife, was standing in the back. So I went and stood back there with her. And I was just watching the church um, worship. And it just, I can't tell you what it did for me, how it blessed me. I actually got my phone out and I took a picture because I, it was just this group of People, random people, right? All with their hands lifted, worshiping. And it, I got emotional over it. And, and as much as it blessed me, I thought, how much more 
does this bless the Lord? You know, if it means that much to me, what about the Lord? And so as we enter in this morning, let's do so blessing our Lord. And I want to say this last thing too, and we'll get to it, I promise, that this is our altar, right? And if you need to come this morning with confidence and sincere hearts, come up here. If, if you need to repent, if you need to just get with the Lord over things that you're struggling with, if you just need nothing else than to kneel before our maker, then do that. You have freedom here to do that. This is the place. No one's gonna think you're weird. No one's gonna judge you, all right? This is our DNA. This is our church. I've even, I've even asked um, Grounds of Grace to just stay, to hang out. They'll open the truck when it's time, but I don't want them to miss this either. They're here to be blessed as well. So let's just take some time this morning and let's worship our God. Let's enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Amen? With confidence. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you and we thank you that you have made a way. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to ever approach you with fear and trembling because you put your son on the cross so we wouldn't have to. And because of that, we now have access to you all the way to your throne. So Lord, we come expectant. We come to exalt you, Father. You are a great God. And we as a body say you are exalted above all things. In Jesus' name, let's worship.